This episode of the Linux Action Show is brought to you by DigitalOcean and by Ting. Go to last.ting.com and save $25 off your first device or your first month of service. Welcome to the Linux Action Show, episode 350. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hey, Noah, good morning to you. Good morning, Mr. Chris. Noah, are you ready for me to tell everybody about the big show today? I am totally ready. All right, well, coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, have you ever wanted to contribute to an open source project, but maybe you're not a developer, maybe you hit a few roadblocks, maybe things have been a little confusing? Well, in today's episode of the big show, we'll break down some of the roadblocks we've personally ran into when contributing to open source, ideas that we have for non-developers to actually make a difference. And it's not just your cliche answers, but real actual things that non-coders can do to help open source projects. And also maybe even a few other things like, I don't know, documentation, monetary ideas, things like that. Noah and I have a lot of experience in this area, so we're going to share our thoughts on that. Plus in the news segment, We've round up some pretty interesting news topics throughout the week. And in the feedback segment, we have a question for you, as well as a few things we're going to follow up on and some conference stuff we're going to update you on. But first, Noah, it is our picks. I want to hear about the picks. Well, I think you do, because uh, our first pick this week, uh, this week? This week? is uh, your fridge. <laughs> Noah's refrigerator runs Linux. It does? <laughs> the, uh, okay, I'm gonna, I, I don't know. I, these Samsung uh, models, they're, they, they're really got great names, but this is the... Uh, the Samsung RF28MHELBSR slash AA. Yes. And it runs Linux. It does. How the hell does your fridge run Linux, Noah? So here, we, so when we moved into our house, <laughs> yeah. the housing development that they had, um, they were putting up a lot of houses uh, quickly. And so they had, they, I think they just called like the, put a call out for as many different cheap appliances as they could get and they put them all in. Well, subsequently, house was really great and we got it for a great deal except some of the appliances were less than stellar. Fridge not so good. Fridge not so good. Okay. So it had this annoying little problem and I know it might not be a big deal to some people, but the things that I would put into the refrigerator would sometimes freeze and the things that I would put into the freezer would sometimes thaw. Oh, yeah. And so I thought to myself that that just... That's no good. That really wasn't what I wanted in the fridge. Yeah. So I marched myself... Uh, down to the store and I said I'm gonna look at a fridge and I, we found a fridge we found a lot of fridges and we looked at a lot of fridges um, and to me it never made any sense that the freezer was on top of the fridge because yeah. heat rises yeah. and that physics you know physics that's so you wanted something that the pull out drawers on the right. bottom right I wanted something with a freezer on the bottom and a little pop drawer was cool and so, so I'm with you so far I'm, mm-hmm. what I'm not seeing is we haven't you, gotten to the Linux well yeah where you get the close the gap to yeah. where you, you want to put a Linux well in your so of course my wife didn't really care about Linux <laughs> no. she just wanted a nice fridge so we find yeah. all these fridges and we're like yeah and I said but look at that one that one has a screen and it's it lights up and it's it has so a cool Netflix app pretty and it has a yeah, it has all these apps. That's We should have that one. She's like, I don't know if we should have that one. I'm like, I think we should have that one. So she said, we went to look at reviews. Well, it it didn't get very good reviews. There oh, was a surprise, gentleman, surprise. Yeah, there was a gentleman that was very upset because the audio quality for watching a movie wasn't very good. Oh, wait. Yep. Watching a movie on the fridge? On the fridge. Okay, the audio quality on the, of the yeah. fridge is not so good. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, okay. if, <laughs> okay. if you wanted to stack your family around an 8-inch screen yeah. and turn it into a cinema, it's it, probably not the fridge for you. But we ended up buying the fridge. They delivered the fridge. They put the fridge in. And when I first got it, because I got it about a year and a half ago, worked great. Uh, I could tweet. I could. Oh, you Facebook. could tweet from your fridge. Yeah, I could do okay, all that good, stuff. Okay, good. Good. 
had a little inventory management, which is what she's showing you. This is actually your wife. That's actually my wife. Your fridge at home right yeah. here. Doesn't she have cute hands? Yeah, that's great. So she's doing the inventory. She's adding vegetables into the fridge, that kind of thing. So it shows us the temperature of the fridge. It shows us the temperature outside, the prediction. But that's then nice. this happened. What was this, Noah? What is this? That was uh, that was Google. Google. Yeah, Googs. The Googs. I was trying to sign into the Googs, and so, the Googs stopped working. And, and this happened a little bit after you bought this the happened, uh, fridge? This happened in August. Well, I, I had it about a year and a half, but what bothers me is they're still selling the fridge, and they're not telling people about this. So, like, Google changed the way, like, their integration services yeah. work, and now the features don't right. work on they the Right. They changed fridge. the API, to what I understand, and so uh, Googs just stopped working. And one of the f fundamental things we did with the fridge, one of the most exciting things we did with the fridge was... I would wake up in the morning, I'd walk up and yawn and go to grab my coffee, and I would look at my fridge and it would tell me what I was doing that day. Had all the things on the It had like your Google Calendar agenda on there? Yeah. And so... And it also had like a push notification system too, right? That could like send you like a, I'm out of vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that didn't have it on the fridge, it had it on the phone, I think. Right, but that quit working too? I don't know. Maybe. I honestly, I, I think maybe I just stopped using it. So but the, the big thing was is that the integration with the services like Twitter and I, I think Twitter still works. No, Twitter doesn't work. Google doesn't work. Something else doesn't work. Anyway, I, I went to research the issue because, of course, the first thing I have to do is Google it because you can't ask for help unless you Google it or people tell you to Google it. So I asked for help uh, on, on the Googs and the Googs pointed me to this comment thread, which is talking about how everyone else that has this fridge has this problem and people that have purchased the fridge now continue to have this problem. And so, so it's ongoing, even though even though they've still continued to sell, they haven't resolved the right. Software. And Samsung's answer is talk to the Googs, and the Googs' answer is talk to Samsung. <laughs> it's no good. Like that's lame. That's what happens when you put a computer in your fridge, Noah. Yeah. <laughs> so now do you just not use it? Do you just not use it now? Uh, well, I use it for the weather and okay. uh, and you and know, Pandora yeah, on the great I, speaker. And I follow you on Twitter. Oh. So I can see you when you tweet. You tweet my fridge. That's oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's. Hmm. I'm gonna think about. I'm gonna. Mm. Now it's gonna make me think when I. Yeah. Think now. Mm. Angela, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, on, to your credit, you did get it on discount, so at least you have that going mm -hmm. for you. So that's good. Yeah. Best Buy has this rewards on things, so I didn't. I didn't you end up paying anywhere points. near anywhere near full price. Well, that's cool. I mean, yeah. I do applaud you for wanting to have a Linux rig in your kitchen, but yeah. unfortunately, it just. What's well, so actually fun. the second Linux rig? We're gonna get to the other one, I think, later, right? Oh yes, we are. In mm -hmm. fact, before we mention that, uh, why don't I talk about a great sponsor that has a ton of Linux rigs, and you can have your own Linux rig? That's DigitalOcean. Head over to DigitalOcean.com right now. Sponsor of the Linux Action Show, and bring our awesome promo code with you. Last Digital, L-A-S Digital, all one word, lowercase. It's gonna get you a ten dollar credit. But if you're not familiar with DigitalOcean, let me tell you a little bit about them. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server. You can get started in less than a minute. I heard from some. Somebody over the weekend, I think they were they were at 36 seconds to get their own server spun up. I've used a lot of virtualization systems before. 36 seconds is pretty unbelievable. Uh, and uh, the pricing plans are incredible. $5 a month. It's going to get you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte. A terabyte. A terabyte of transfer. They have data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. But what I really love about DigitalOcean, as somebody who's been in the, in the industry for a long time and has... Struggled with old VMware server interfaces and crappy web UIs that required Internet Explorer. The interface on DigitalOcean is like nothing else. It sets the bar. It sets the bar for every single service, for every single type of service on the web, not just the type of like hosting services, but every service on the web. Go over there and check out DigitalOcean. If nothing else, use our promo code LASTDIGITAL. Spin up a virtual server. Be amazed at how you can take the power of something like Linux and KVM and SSDs and data centers all over the world and spin it up in less than a minute and have your own server with root access and HTML5 console, one-click deployment of applications. LASTDIGITAL. Try it for two months for free. 
and check out that amazing interface with their straightforward API. I've got it. How many droplets do you have? Well, Noah? here's the here's the thing. I, <laughs> on Wednesday, when I came well, before I was getting ready to leave, I went. I I, my, I got home and my wife goes, "Hey, by the way, I can't send email." I, you know, and we run an IT company, so that's, that's always, kind of a big deal. It always happens when you're traveling. That's always <laughs> well, when it happens. I hadn't traveled yet. I was still at home. Oh, so okay. I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, thank God we found it now. So I drive over <laughs> to the shop. I go into the data center. I pull the server out of the rack. And, well, first I SSH'd in, and it would kick me right back out. Uh, oh. So, yeah, well, I drive over there, and I, I plug a keyboard and a mouse, and a, I find all of this stuff, and then plug it in. And nothing works. LS, command not found. D, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, free minus M, command not found. I'm like, uh, ah, crap. Uh. So I pull it out of the rack. I I, uh, I take the hard drive out, and I'm like, yeah, okay. And, well, I go to reboot it, and it says operating system not found. I'm like, oh, no. So I pull the hard drive out of the machine, and thank God, I stuck it into a drive cloner, and it immediately clones. Like, okay. It, it successfully. So you got all the data. So I, Yeah, so I pull, put it back in the server. I put a new cable in. I boot it up. Boots right up first time. Everything works. I'm like, yay. All right? Thursday, when it, right before I leave, I... I make sure everything is working. Right. You gotta I get make sure before you hit the road. I fly all the way across the country. Right. And I land. You're right here in the beautiful and, Pacific Northwest. And before we even get to lunch, email's not working again. Servers crashed. Yeah. 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 So, me not being as dumb as some of you probably think I am, I had made a backup of the server and I had Tarball ah, on that. But, attaboy. But, but I was going to copy it onto a flash drive and you ever forget? Well, I forgot it happened to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I call my wife and I said, hey, what I need you to do is stop what you're doing, pack the kids up, put them in the car, drive across town, go, <laughs> go to the, the data office, center, yeah, go, go and walk upstairs, go in here, get into a computer which you don't know the password to, and then somehow find a way which you're not familiar with to send me a really large file. Oh, man. But somehow she did it. Yeah. And so I got the file, and then after like six hours of trying to download the file, and I finally got the file, <laughs> then I was like, well, now I need a pass, now, now I need a, a droplet. Right? You got it, yeah. So you I, gotta thought, put it somewhere. I said to myself, well, I could go over to DigitalOcean because I can do that quickly. And I would have been able to do it quickly, except there's one teeny little problem. DigitalOcean emails you the passwords, and of course my email server was sitting in on a thumb drive it's at down. this point. Yeah. Nah, that's not working. You can't get your email. But they make it really super easy. All I had to do was I clicked on add uh, uh, SSH keys, and yeah. they give me instructions on how to generate them. Oh. And in like 10 minutes, I was I had my server up. That is yeah. slick. Yeah, yeah, their, yeah. Their interface for managing SSH keys is really it was nice. Nuts. Yeah, uh, and they give you the instructions on how to do it on the client end too. That Which is, is really, really good. Nice. Yeah, that, that is really cool. Uh, I spun up a I spun up a new uh, droplet just recently because uh, we're, we're we're running a, a droplet with some Ruby scripts on it to uh, do some stuff on our IRC room, and it's like we got to a point where like okay, this stuff is really working, and we're starting to use it now, and we need a little more memory. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, it was just a simple matter of I powered off the droplet, which mm -hmm. is not a big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, went into the resize option, added, uh, doubled the RAM, turned it back on. Mm -hmm. and it was ready to go. So go over to DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code LASTDIGITAL, and a big thanks to DigitalOcean for rocking, and uh, basically, they're now my infrastructure. <laughs> and when I need new systems, and uh, and if it's uh, if it's something I just need to, to throw up on a Linux rig, that's where I go. And they've got uh, free BSD now as well, DigitalOcean.com, LASTDIGITAL. Get the $10 credit. So we mentioned that we were going to pick uh, something uh, for... From your machine, do you have Gourmet on your laptop I by do. chance? Yep. Is it is it populated with? It's ready to roll. So we no, are. It's not, it, there's no uh, there's no recipe. I can oh. get a recipe if you want me to. I have Gourmet over here. Too. All right, okay. so I could just show cool. it off over here. All right. Fine. So uh, the uh, desktop app pick is uh, something that uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday that we're recording uh, this show, and a lot of you might be cooking some of your favorite snacks, and uh, you might need a software to keep track of all of the snacks you share during the Super Bowl party. Well, Noah is a big fan of an application called. Gourmet, and it's an open source recipe app. 
Tell me a little bit about it. No, I've got it loaded up right here. Well, so when when my wife and I got married, uh, the first thing we did was, you know, we moved into the house and then family members started saying, oh, here's our pot roast recipe. Yes, oh, right? here's this recipe. Yeah. Oh, your grandma has this great dessert recipe. And then they'd hand us. So first we had little note cards and they were stuck all over the place. I hate, you ever seen, you've seen the movie uh, Hackers, right? Oh, sure. And he course. hands the guy the paper and he goes, ugh, yeah. hard copy. Yeah, That's yeah. how I feel. I don't like paper. Paper gets lost. Paper yeah. gets destroyed. So I said, well, I need to, we need to somehow, uh, you know, make this better. So my first answer was to put everything into a text file. Now, yeah. Q5Sys, this, this is what he does, yeah. right? Sure. Yeah, he just has a... He, Producer Q5 why, says, why do you need software? Yeah. You can yeah. just have a text file and have all your stuff in there. Wow, look at this. So I'm going through and I'm adding this. I've got I've got description here. I can say mm-hmm. category, cuisine. Yeah. I can give it my rating, where I got it from. I can right. add an image. And you I can go in and I can add individual go, ingredients. Go over, find a recipe on, online. You can actually import it. Yeah, I noticed that. I mm-hmm. installed a little Python plugin that lets me yep. import it from uh, like a file or something like that. And yep. you can also paste ingredients that you've captured in a web page right. into here. And then there's plugins to calculate uh, the... Uh, uh, the uh, nutrient, like yeah. the nutritional value. I, that I don't use. But yeah. uh, but but the nice thing is, is we have a computer that sits inside of our kitchen, and it is that is the recipe machine. It yeah. runs gourmet, and I. Uh, I you know you can open the you can open the program up pull the recipe up gives you an ingredients list and let's say you're making five dishes yeah you just click those dishes and hit add to shopping list and, and it, it will generate a shopping list of Love all the ingredients that. you need and it will it will combine so like let's say you need uh, fork uh, you know uh, one stick of butter for one and three sticks of butter for the other and seven for the for this next one it will add all those up and then divide by four because that's cool yeah. Okay, so you yeah. can get so when you go shopping. So let me ask you the last question I mm-hmm. had for you really about it is: Do you know what the back end storage is like? If I if I wipe my rig, is it easy to bring back the it's whole? It's super easy. They have a backup and restore utility built right in. You can export it out. It exports oh, okay. as an XML file. Oh yeah, check you that can, out. In fact, in yeah. fact, once a month, I dump all of. Yeah. It's not automatic. You can also yeah. go out as well. That's cool. You but, can also go out as an HTML page if you just want to give somebody can, a copy. Or you can go to Mealmaster, which is the proprietary garbage software that a lot of Windows. Oh, users. or just plain text if you're like Q5. They have an option for Q5. They do. There you go. So they have Gourmet XML, HTML, and Mealmaster, and you can export it all out. And then you Mm -hmm. drop that like in a own cloud folder or a BitTorrent sync or Dropbox, and you've got it nice backed up. So that's Gourmet, and uh, you can find it. We'll have it linked in the show notes. But if you're adventurous, it's Thinky or Thinkle. Think, think le.github.io slash Gourmet, and uh, we'll just have a link in the show notes. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Thanks for turning me on to that, Noah, because mm-hmm. I've actually, I've been thinking I was going to use something on a tablet, but now I'm thinking I'm liking this a lot more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Is there, do you know, is there a way to share it between computers? I haven't found a way. Well, what you could do, you could do some hackery and create a sim link to where it's storing that XML file mm. to uh, wherever the, wherever you're Yeah, I was thinking like on a NAS or something. Yeah, yeah you could uh, do And sim link it. So mm-hmm. uh, tis the season where the Linux Action Show gets a lot of questions about finances. And I know it's not the most uh, interesting topic for a lot of you. Uh, so we're not going to do like a whole episode on taxes or anything like that. But it did get us thinking about uh, ways to manage your business uh, that don't require Windows or QuickBooks, right? There's there's a lot of different ways out there, but most of the most popular ones require that Intuit piece of garbage software that they've never released a Linux version for. But Noah, who runs his own business, has been using something else that runs on Linux. So we were early adopters. In fact, when I say early adopters, I mean they made a post on like a Monday and like Tuesday we signed up. <laughs> <laughs> but we were... Previously to to using the product that we're about to talk about, we were using Intuit and um, oh, the online stuff. No, no, just actual Intuit. We so were you spinning had a Windows it up in a v- box. No, we come on, man. No, we were spinning it up in a in a virtual machine. <laughs> but um, but what? Uh, but System seventy six came out and said we think there's a better way 
to do this and one that can be done on the web. And that's not beneficial just to Linux users. It's beneficial to anyone that doesn't want to be tied to one specific box that doesn't right. want to deal with their backups. Right. So originally I downloaded the source code and I, I, I put it up on my own box and I played with it for a little bit. And, and I was talking to uh, some of the people that, that, that do some of the work and my wife and she goes, well, we don't need to pay for it every month. That, that's probably not really worth it. You know, we just, we'll just host it ourselves. And I said, yeah, but, you know, the thing is, the cost is so minimal. It is less, BeansBooks is less for the cost of, of, uh, of one year of BeansBooks, even though they charge monthly, than it would cost me to rebuy QuickBooks every yeah. year, which you need so, to do if you want the newest tax Our, our picks this week, uh, this, week uh, this is uh, a project that we wanted to spotlight for you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's BeanBooks. It's BeanBooks.com. Uh, the people behind it are System76. They, they have spun it off into its own thing. It's their it's, its own business. And essentially, uh, I talked to Carl when they launched this because he's super excited mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. it. And what he said is, you know, we've built this entire system in-house to run on top of Linux to essentially run the back end of our business. Right. We weren't going to, no way is System76 going to run Windows right. rights to do this. Mm -hmm. But it, there's nothing that met this. And, and then they wanted to make sure it could be open source. Mm -hmm. So they created BeanBooks. And, and and this isn't a plug. This isn't an advertisement. This is just both something that both Noah and I, two people that run a small business on Linux, can use to manage our books. BeanBooks allows you to do self-hosted or you can do like Noah opted to go and go with their hosted option. And they spin up a dedicated VM for you mm -hmm. and they host it for you in a, in a VM environment. Yeah. This is essentially a replacement for Intuit's, a lot of Intuit's products in a very nice UI. I mean, you're pretty happy with the UI, right? Well, web-based. Yeah, the UI is great. But what really blew me away was the support. Because had I gone with my initial idea of spinning it up on my own box, we would have been hosed. And I mean hosed big time. Uh, we got to the end of the year, and it turns out that there were some discrepancies in the way that the software was written. Um, and I don't know if it was entirely a bug or if it was just we weren't using it correctly. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on the details. What I do know is that we started emailing them at the beginning of the week and like immediately, um, and I mean immediately, they get back and they're like, oh, there's, uh, we're pushing a change. And then they pushed a change. And, and they like, pushed it specifically to your instance? Well, I, I think it was everyone's instance, oh, but it okay. was a problem that we specifically had. Yeah. And then we still had a problem. And like, I think the guy's name is David Overcash. And he is like he's on his game, and I don't know if I don't know if it's just he is that dedicated to us specifically, or if he's one of the only people that do that kind of support. But you'd email him, and we'd get a response back, and it didn't seem to matter what time of the day we emailed him, <laughs> and we would still get responses. I don't know. This guy is like dedicated to making sure that the people that are paying their their measly twenty nine dollars a month or whatever mm -hmm. are getting world class support, and. Uh, eventually we got down to the wire and we're like, listen, here are the problems, the immediate problems that we have to get solved because we have to make these tax returns. And I'll be darned if by five o'clock that night, everything was solved. That's pretty so, respectable. And yeah. I don't know what other company you're going to get support like we've, that from. We've actually, we covered BeanBooks when it launched uh, a year or so ago on, on last, but now, you know, here we are a year later with some experience on it and it's a solid recommendation. And... <clears throat> I just thought with it sort of tis, tis the season to talk to think about money for a lot of you, uh, uh, and it is a, it's a new year, maybe it's a good time to just start fresh. So that could be an opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. It's BeanBooks, BeanBooks.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. And again, it's from the folks from System76. It's not, but it's a separate, it's its own separate thing too. But, you know, there's some good people behind it. it. That was the final straw to where I can now say that every piece of software that UltaSpeed uses runs on Linux. Woo! That's yeah. really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, all of our past picks over at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash last picks. Our runs Linux, desktop, spotlights, androids, distros. And you could, we also uh, could use your help to make sure if that list is missing anything. And you can also fork your own version. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash last picks. And if you convince somebody to try out Linux or you yourself have a new installation, a new rig, and you want a bunch of great 
apps to just see some of the best stuff available for the desktop, point them to that list or go check it out yourself. That's a great, great resource for somebody just switching over to Linux or with a fresh install that wants some of the coolest stuff. All right, Noah, let's do the news. Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by Ting.com. Ting is mobile that makes sense. Ting is my mobile service provider and Noah's mobile service provider. Ting is mobile that makes sense. It's no contract. You only pay for what you use. It's a flat $6 for the line and then just your usage on top of that. Get started by going to last.ting.com, las.ting.com. That supports the Linux Action Show, but also gets you a $25 discount off your first Ting device. And if you have a Ting-compatible device already, $25 <coughs> service credit, last.ting.com. No, how long have you been a Ting customer? Well, so as any dedicated Linux Action Show viewer would do, yeah. I listen to the <coughs> Linux Action Show anytime I have downtime, which most of the time is while I'm falling asleep because I don't really have wow. downtime. Wow, you see, saying yeah. I, are you saying that you and I fall asleep together? We do, yeah. You're, okay. right, you're right on the side of my pillow. Okay. okay. So I'm I'm in bed. I'm sleeping. My wife is sleeping. My my, my two-year-old daughter is Wait, is so hold on. Yeah, what? Huh. I'm in bed with you... And, and my wife. wife, but you're on the other side of me, so it's all right. Okay. Yeah, I'm the uh, I'm the sandwich. I'm the love in the middle. Can your wife hear me at all? Is she? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. She complains about it actually. Oh come uh, on. Well, not about you specifically, just that I have things on while she's trying to sleep. Which. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Noah. Yeah. I'm getting under the pillow speaker. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Anyway, you're distracting from the Ting story. Okay, Ting story. All right. So, laying there at night, and I'm this is actually exactly how I got into Plan B too. By the way, this story is identical. So I'm laying there, and uh, then all of a sudden I hear Chris go, "You should check out Ting. Ting. Ting is that blah 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 blah." Ting is that, mobile that makes yeah, sense. Right, yeah, My yeah, mobile yeah. service provider. Right. Yeah, that thing. That, you did that. Yeah. And then <laughs> I said, and then I went, "What do you mean you can get started? What, first, what do you mean that you can cover? You can get twenty five dollars. Yeah. And then that will cover your first month of service and yeah. cancel. So it won't cost me anything. Is that impossible to you? So I get out of bed. Mm. In the middle of the night, really? I walk over to my computer, and yeah. of course, I'm sorry. I turn, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, your wife. I turn. Yeah, you should. You should. You should be sorry. And I turn on the computer. Wang! Big white, you know, light yeah. comes on. So it's, it's a lot of white in your face. It. I know. And my wife's going, "Why? What are you doing? It's like three in the morning." I'm like, "Yeah, check out this Ting thing." So I go over to Ting. I sign up for the service. So the day you announced it on last, yeah. like that night, whenever you published the so episode, it's been almost a couple years. Yeah, for you. I had it like that Monday. Or wow. Sunday or whatever it was. And now yeah. you've got the HTC One. You've got a couple other have, phones on there too. Uh, right? Let's let's look. Let's log into Ting and take a look. Let's, I have. You have quite a few phones. I don't have you? like six. Now you've had all the mobile service providers. Doesn't Ting have the best dashboard? I have. Yeah. Yeah. By far. Right? In fact, in fact, I my I have I had my previous uh, mobile service provider. Their online account management was so terrible. I never even did it. I just no. called in because yeah. waiting on hold. No, which, by the way, you don't do a Ting. No. Uh, no hold. Waiting on hold. Waiting on hold was actually less painful. All right, let's yeah. take a look. Yeah. So my device. See, I use a lot of stuff. Yeah, you do, but still, your bill right now is $47. Oh, yeah, it's, it's still cheaper. And it's you've got cheaper. how many phones on here? I have one, two, three, four, five, six devices. You have six I active devices, and his bill is $47. Right, and so here's the thing. My son, my son likes to call my, my mother, yeah. right? And so he's like, Dad, I want to use your phone, and I got sick of that. I'm like, screw that. I'll just get him his own phone. Yeah. So I get him his own phone. You know what it costs me? Six bucks a month. Yeah, I know. It's flat $6 like usage no, on top of that. six bucks. I mean, he yeah. breaks more toys than $6 a month. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so good start by going to last.ting.com. Now, Noah, uh, now something that we like to do here on the show, you know, I used to do those Android app picks, which I know yes, you're familiar with. I am. However, uh, I've uh, I've turned it over because uh, somebody came along and does a much better job, and that somebody is Kyra. She works at Ting, and she's here with Ting's app pick of the week. Ever wanted to play Boggle with thousands of people? Yes. <laughs> I'm Kyra, and this is Ting's app of the week. If you're a fan of word games, you're going to love today's app. Word of It is an online word search tournament that runs 24 seven. 
With rounds spanning two minutes, it's easy to hop in on the action and compete for the top spot. Find words by swiping adjacent tiles. You can swipe in any direction, and words must include at least three letters. If you're having trouble, tap the icon to rotate the board. <laughs> Post-match, you can check out the words you found as well as the ones you didn't catch. The second result screen displays your rank for that round and the percentile you fall in. This actually looks badass. You'll also see the complete list of players and rankings to see how you match up. Oh man. Ordament lists career statistics if you'd like to keep track of your best word or top game score. Looking to play over mobile data? Keep in mind that each two minute match uses approximately a tenth of a megabyte. Look at her. For six megs an hour. Great to know. Ordament is available for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone. Links are located in the description below. Thanks for watching and make sure to subscribe for more app reviews. Last.ting.com. And also, this is the month of February. I've got two Ting test GSMs. It's happening. The Sims are being sent out. And the way Sing, the, the, the Ting GSM works, it's actually really clever. They've pre-punched micro, mini, and full-size Sim. Really? So whatever device you're putting it in, they've pre-punched it for you. It's ready to go. You know, Chris, I have a device that you might not think is so cool, but there's a couple in the chat room. I'll pull it up just so I can prove you wrong. What is it? It is... <coughs> a, it is a cell phone. It's GSM only. So right. I, I previously haven't been able to use it with Ting, and so thus it's just not activated. Yeah. yeah. Why would I use anything else? Right. Um, <laughs> so I just don't use the cell phone part of it. But it's a cell phone. And yeah. Integrated into the cell phone is a UHF and VHF transceiver. What? Yeah. It's a so phone cool. with a UHF. You can yeah. send VHF signals, so, so like TV signals. For, so for all, no, 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 no. VHF. So all, for all my oh. for all my fellow ham radio operators, oh. I have a two meter and a I have a two meter and seventy centimeter that's not band restricted. So I get everything from like one thirty to one like seventy five, and then on the four forty side, I get like four. I think it's a high band of four forty, so like four twenty to four. 45 or something like that. And it has a GSM and But it has a GSM phone built in. So the nice thing about it is when I use it for work, we have radios at work. I can I can have one device that I could use as my phone and my work radio. That's cool. Yeah, super cool. And now I can use it on Ting. Yeah, they're rolling it out this month. Uh, you can check it out and you can do CDMA and GSM. Go to last.ting.com to get started and check it out. Noah, we're going to start this week with the ghost vulnerability. Uh, less than uh, It took about only 48 hours before we actually started seeing uh, exploits of the ghost vulnerability in the wild. For those of you who didn't watch this week's episode of the TechSnap, uh, the TechSnap program covered this a little bit, but uh, I'll just give you a quick overview right here. The ghost vulnerability is in glibc, or glibc, depending on how you roll, that allows it, that attackers can use uh, against any programs that are linked against glibc when they're doing DNS lookup, which is pretty much any C++, C++, uh, Python, Ruby application. It's a buffer overflow in glibc that was found in the NSS underscore hostname underscore digits underscore dots function. If your app uses that to look things up, it's exploitable by this. Uh, the vulnerability has, is a heap-based buffer overflow, and it affects all Linux systems, according to experts, and it's been present in glibc code since 2000, so for a long time. For example, a place where this is a problem, WordPress. It uses a function called WP HTTP validate URL every time a pingback URL is posted. Mm -hmm. And when it does that, it's exploitable to this ghost vulnerability. The XM mail server is exploitable to this. Stuff written on top of Ruby exploited to Ghost. And so we're already starting to see exploits in the wild after 48 hours of it being out there. So the reason why it's worth mentioning is the patch, this is tricky, the patch has been out for a, quite a while. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of worked its way in. It wasn't considered a security fix. Uh -huh. So a lot of distributions, like a lot of the enterprise distros, don't necessarily install just updates. They install just the right, security updates. Right. This wasn't flagged as a security mm -hmm. update. That's why it's important to mention. And as a CentOS administrator, I've dealt with that. Yeah. I've dealt with that. This isn't the first time something like that's come up. So. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is a little trickier because now I think now they might be changing that, but it's something for you guys to be aware of is depending on your distro, this glibc update might not be flagged as security. It probably is now, I would imagine. But... 
Uh, and because I, I, I think they have gone through and reissued new patches, but it's something for you guys to know about, and it is being exploited right now. Mm-hmm. Noah, I know you deploy a lot of LibreOffice, and not always to the satisfaction of the end user. No, um, managers, uh, the people in the position of power, the people that have to—well, basically, the people that write the checks—they love LibreOffice because they see the immediate cost benefit, and if they can roll out a piece of software that does everything that Microsoft Office does, and in some cases, in my opinion, a little bit better. Because mm. I hate, I not a ribbon hate fan? ribbons. Yeah. I <laughs> I hate ribbons. The first time I ever used Microsoft Office with ribbons, I was actually given a presentation, and it wasn't my computer. It was the the, the kiosk. And you're like, what Microsoft is this? Well, I went to print something, <laughs> and I'm like, eventually, I just looked up, and I'm at an IT conference, so it was a little embarrassing. But I'm like, how do I print? I don't use this stuff, so who knows how to print in Microsoft yeah. Office now? Because apparently, file print was you gotta too find difficult. the print ribbon, Noah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm sure somebody's telling me to use Control P, but uh, um, yeah, I, I, I have sent I have sent LibreOffice out in a lot of places, and it yeah. and it's worked very very well. Yeah. And actually, I had a, a unique experience just last week. I was I was ro- we were switching a customer from Windows to Linux, which is one of my favorite things to do. Hey-o. And we got done installing all of the uh, software, and of course, Ubuntu comes stock with LibreOffice. Mm-hmm. And she goes to open it, and she looks at me and goes, "Why is there the Mac software on here?" And I said, "Mac software? What are you talking about?" And she goes, "LibreOffice, the Mac version of Office." And I said. I, why, why do you say that? And she goes, well, I work for the school district, and the school district has all Macs, and they have that LibreOffice thing on there. And I didn't tell her this, but I was really excited because— That's not a bad comparison, No, it's not, because when somebody can confuse LibreOffice to Apple software to elitist Apple software, <laughs> right? that's, a, that's a backhanded compliment, <laughs> even if she didn't mean it that way. And, so, and, the other, and then the other thing that made me even more excited was if the school system in Grand Forks oh, is right. realizing that— Open source is a is an economical and viable way to go. How long before they go? You know, we don't need those Macs anymore. Yeah. We could just get these yeah. uh, Chrome boxes, or we could get these boxes that have just GNU's yeah. plus yeah. Linux and yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, this might blur the line even more. The LibreOffice is streamlining its UI, getting a makeover, uh, and including some alternative fonts too. So, have you looked at some of the tweaks they're doing on the LibreOffice? I did. They look slick. Yeah. It, it's not like a huge, huge refresh. It's not like going ribbon UI. But if you're familiar with LibreOffice, and we're, I'm showing you a screen, well, there it is. It's tight. It looks a little mm-hmm. nicer. Everything looks. A little more polished. It looks like no. I don't know how you feel about this, but it looks like a lot of polish and a lot of effort went into making it look good on the Mac. Too. Yeah, seems like it's picking wah, up a lot of usage wah. on the Mac. I guess. Yeah, but you know what? I've talked to some of the guys from the from the LibreOffice project, and those guys, they're good guys, and they're solidly committed to Linux. Um, so. If they make a UI yeah, refreshment and it works absolutely. well on the Mac, and you know yeah. that's the way I I've never gotten anyone to switch cold turkey. I've always weaned people off yeah. of Windows and Mac, and you can't do that. You start so, with bits and pieces, right? So the, a great way to start for somebody that's on the Mac is to give them LibreOffice yeah. on the Mac, make yeah. them happy with that, and yeah. then take the Mac away and leave them with LibreOffice. Get, get them on Firefox, get them on LibreOffice. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, maybe mm-hmm. get them using something like Pigeon. So uh, LibreOffice four dot four. Uh, not only does it have a whole ton of bug fixes, but the, the UX really got a lot of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, complete dialogue uh, redo, uh, redesigned menu bars, redesigned context menus, uh, improved toolbars, improved status bar, and rulers to make them all much more useful mm-hmm. and uh, look a lot nicer. So congratulations to the Libre project. And I wanted to mention, just because I know, Noah, you put out a lot of Libre office installations, so it might just get a little bit easier mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, yeah, and maybe, <coughs> just maybe, happier customers. So uh, from the too little, too late... 
department, perhaps? We'll leave it up to you. But official Google Drive Linux client screenshots have been leaked. Web Update has the story. We've talked about uh, InSync before, which is another alternative you can use to sync Google Drive to your Linux computer. But if you want something from Google themselves, so far under Linux, you've been out of luck. Now, this is what gives it sort of that Dropbox-like functionality, where you can have the files pulled down to your local machine. You can drop stuff in, and it syncs it up to the online drive version. Well, here's the screenshot, Noah. It looks official. The Google Drive client is going to be released soon, and uh, we're seeing it here under what looks like to be a Unity desktop. Mm -hmm. And you get the drop down. If you've ever seen like Dropbox or anything, it looks just like that. There's your yeah. there's your account. There's your total storage. You are a bit of a Drive user, a little bit. As of this weekend, yeah. <laughs> is this something you consider using? Too little, too late. Um, yeah, I, I really think so. I think that um, I think that uh, five years ago. I didn't have any sort of sync solution. Mm -hmm. Now, man, I've got OwnCloud. Yeah. I've got BitTorrent Sync. Sync thing. I've got Sync Thing. Yeah, Sync Thing is amazing. I mean, there are so many things that have come to fruition in just the last couple of years yeah. that whatever Google Drive... And then, then the other thing is, too, and the big thing is with the, with the revelation of the whole Edward Snowden thing. You know, it makes stuff like this less appealing and stuff like Sync Thing more appealing. I totally, absolutely, so, 100%. Yeah, I think, totally agree. I, I think they would have had me a couple years ago. Yeah. Now I'm not so sure. Where I see this being useful is not for something like you and I or most of our audience would use personally, but mm -hmm. for people who have to interact with corporate America. Absolutely. And more and more corporate America is using Google Drive. It's becoming pretty common. I had... Uh, I was pretty surprised by just uh, just kind of how many people are using Drive now and mm -hmm. how ubiquitous it's become. So being able to sort of like how I used to have Office under Wine, it's nice to have this so when I get into that position, it's available to me, but too little, too late. I prefer to go own cloud myself, uh, and, and like you said, I would use SyncThing for, uh, for other personal files. Good to see it coming, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From the uh, almost was our runs Linux department, but it was just... Too funny to make runs Linux and maybe not meaty enough. Probably a lot of you saw this. Uh, Bill Gates supposedly and inadvertently shows off Ubuntu on his Facebook page. And it's great because it was something like, a, this is what the future, or 15 years from now, most people in poor countries will be able to take classes online. And he's kind of like, look at the future of taking classes online. And when you take a look at the picture, why that's an Ubuntu system. Would have made for a funny... Uh Funny uh, runs Linux. Bill Gates runs Linux. Well, we talked about it, but then we were like, we don't know if that was Bill Gates' computer. Yeah. And I like, if you notice, their hand is just covering up the username and password. Right. You see right. it like, right there? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, good time. So, Bill Gates, uh, we just thank you for giving us an opportunity to enjoy that. Not, not a very busy news week, Noah. Control zero. Control zero. That starts soon, though. It's with soft, it's Webpedia, it's with oh, Softpedia. Oh. But uh, I think the news, I think the news cycle is going to get pretty crazy pretty soon. So it's nice to be able Let's to sit back so. and take moments like this and remember, 2015, the beginning of 2015 was the year that Bill Gates <laughs> tweeted, "The future Linux, of children yeah. Yeah. is running Linux." Yeah. All right, Noah. All right, that's Chris. all the news for this week. ever wanted to contribute to an open source project, but maybe you're not a developer yourself or just don't have the time to write the code? Well, we've got a few ideas. First, we'll share some challenges we ran into as average users trying to contribute, and then some techniques we've come up to try to make a difference for open source projects. But first, I gotta thank our segment sponsor, System76, designers, creators, you could say the people who want you to have the best computing experience in the world. That's right, System76.com. I know, we found him right here. Uh, I mean, Noah, did you know they're right there? I did. 
Good. I was aware of that. Because they're right there. They are. They're just just over there, right across the room Here's what they do. This is, you'd think somebody else would have figured this out by now, but System76, they dialed in on this a long time ago because they want you to have a good computing experience because they create machines designed to run Linux. Now, they ship them with Ubuntu. They give you lifetime support of the Ubuntu install. And they got laptops, desktops. Those desktops built right here in the US of A, repairs done right here in the US of A as well. They got everything from ultrabooks to high-end gaming machines like my Bonobo Extreme. All the rigs, all of them, work with Linux out of the box. You can run any distribution you want, and they're meant to run with Ubuntu perfectly. Servers as well, system76.com. Go get yourself something nice. Stop fighting with your hardware, and you get to play with your Linux. System76.com, because they want you to have a good time. And I do. I do have a good time good. on my System76. Tell them the Linux Action Show sent you, too, would you? Mm-hmm. All right, Noah. So uh, our uh, one of our uh, projects that we talked about at the beginning of the show was Gourmet. And mm-hmm. it's funny that Gourmet happened to be up at the pick segment because it was sort of Gourmet that got us on this topic where we we're like, uh, you know, Chris? And I was like, what's that, Noah? And you said, Chris, here's the thing. And that's because that's usually how you start a sentence. I say, okay, I'm ready for a story now. And then you say... I've been trying to contribute to open source, but I don't want to contribute code. I'd like to either contribute time or well, it's money. Not, not that I don't want to. It's I'm not. I'm not a developer, so my code is is would not be very good. You wouldn't want. <laughs> you don't. Well, you don't want me right, to contribute okay. to your project. That's that's really what it comes down so, to. So uh, gourmet comes around. You're like, I'd like to help these guys out. But well, well what what it I, <clears throat> it actually it started a lot earlier than that, right? Because um, when uh, you know a long long time ago uh, when I was. When I was in middle school, high school, a wee ladder, boy, a wee ladder. Yeah, uh, just a little guy, just a little, a little guy. I um, I was looking for software for my computer. I, I was, it was funny because I was making like one hundred and fifty dollars on a paycheck, and out of that, like eighty of that went towards a car payment, and then like thirty of that went towards my cell phone bills. Mm-hmm. I had like twenty dollars for the rest of the week. It was ridiculous. Um, I didn't have money to buy Adobe Photoshop and right. Microsoft Office, so if I wanted to do those things, I had to find other solutions, and I was so thankful that I had the option to use open source open software. Source, and then, of course, yeah. once I got comfortable with it, yeah. everyone else would go, well, Photoshop's much easier. And I'd be like, I don't know how to yeah, use Photoshop. Just, I have no idea. And somebody would say, well, the, you know, that whatever that goofy program was that, um, that Macromedia made for designing things, I said, I, my SVG editor is Inkscape, and I, that's what I've always used. Works uh, it for works my, for me, so yeah. that's what I'm going to continue using. Well, then I got, you know, I, I got a big boy job, and I got big boy money. And I thought, well, it's appropriate to send back to those organizations. Well, Mozilla's a great project, and I'm a... I am a I am a rabid uh, Firefox user, but my hard-earned money doesn't go very far in the grand scheme of things. Donating twenty dollars to the Mozilla Corporation just doesn't make a big difference. Yeah. So I tried to find smaller projects, yeah. and what I found was every time I'd hit a roadblock. So if you look at the Gourmet Recipe Manager's contribute page, it says right down here at the bottom. It says contribute. Um, but if you the- want to contribute to the project and you're a Python programmer, please take a look at the source code hosted on GitHub and start hacking. Due to this plugin-based architecture, Gourmet can easily be extended by new features. If you'd like to use Gourmet in a language other than English, you can help translate using this web-based tool, but nothing about money. There's nothing about money, and so I, I actually I reached out to uh, to what I believe is the developer and uh, super super nice guy by the way. Um, and if you're listening to this, uh, I apologize if if the information was there and I just missed it somehow. But uh, I when I was asking to to contribute to the project, I was looking for a monetary way to give back, and I just couldn't find it. And the other place I ran into that, and not they might have a way to contribute monetarily, but I found a different way to do it hmm. um, was Mix because we use Mix. 
uh, oh, yes. you know, intensely for my for my for my business. And I reached out to him and I said, here, here's the thing. You know, what kind of things can I do to support? And they had some creative ideas. They said, could you put uh, the mix on on a banner? Or maybe I suggested and asked them if I could have permission for their logo or something like that. Um, but that's what we ended up doing. So all Giving the shows that we promotion? do. Yeah, all the shows we do say this event is is powered by Mix running yeah. on uh, Ubuntu. Yeah, so mm -hmm. uh, and Mix is, uh, so Mix is, a, is it in his, uh, this is where, I, now let's translate. So let's transition. So mm -hmm. there's, uh, and I just want to, before we, before we transition, I just want to kind of button up what Noah's just saying is kind of what we what we have found is when you want to contribute financially, there's not a standardized way to contribute. Some people use things like uh, Bitcoin. Some mm -hmm. people use things like PayPal. Some people want a check. Yeah. Some people want just something off their Amazon wish list. And some people want to use something like Flatter or something like there's just a whole wide range when you want to contribute financially. Right. No standardization. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and so that, that is, that is particularly hard to approach. Now there are ways to do it. And there's some projects where your $20 could make a big difference. Absolutely. But you come across software like Mix, M-I-X-X-X, -X -X, which isn't just good because it's open source, but this is truly like one of the great DJ softwares out there. It's professional software, no doubt. We even use it here at the Jupiter Broadcasting Studios to do all the DJ music uh, for our post and pre-shows. And it's just super handy. It's super great. And it's something that not a lot of people know about because it lacks proper advocacy. So this is number one where I want to start, where those of us who are not developers can still contribute to open source projects in a form of advocacy. And I think this is something that, Noah, you probably have some thoughts on, like going out there and spreading the word about these yeah, projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think it's I think it's very undervalued, right? I think a lot of people, when, they, when they're in the process of doing a project, they see the immediate needs. They see things like, I need a computer to get my work done. Or they see, this guy is willing to contribute code right. and help, but he doesn't have a laptop, so we need either money to buy a laptop or we need a laptop. Um, and and so they, they, they get into this they get into this almost binary sense of thinking about huh. it where it's either yeah. I want code or I want money because those are the two things that are going to make my project succeed. And I think where that falls short is you can you will get more money and you'll get more contributors if your project is better known. And right. if it's if it, if it becomes a recognized almost yeah. standard. And I would I would here's a here's a secondary so not even just for user base like what mm -hmm. you're talking about mm -hmm. but also one of the things you and I were talking about last night is Sometimes, you know, the open source world is just prone to a lot of forking. Well, if a fork occurs, that the project that has the better awareness, the, the better brand, yeah. uh, the, the, you know, the better uh, mind share is probably the project that's going to have more people get behind it, more, more support, more people join that development effort. And so advocacy for an open source project not only is important from like a user base, establishing a user base perspective, but advocacy for an open source project is also just good for mind share so that if a fork does occur, they're perhaps the dominant project. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think advocacy can play a role not just as a podcaster, but somebody out there, you know, sharing links. Oh, yeah. When somebody's asking questions oh, about something, absolutely, so. and, and I think I think um, you know, obviously, this is a great platform for for doing advocacy. But I tried the best I could. Um, every time I went into a business, if they were using a project, ah. you know, I would say, yeah, you know, I tell them, I say, hey, listen, LibreOffice, they'll give you the they give you the software for free, they give you the updates for free. Here's how to donate if you you know you have an extra. And most businesses, they're willing to do that. They'll kick down a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. It's not a big deal because yeah. you had 50 computers. You were spending $400 per licensed copy of Microsoft Office, and now you can do that for free. So why not give them a con contribution of yeah. 500 bucks? Yeah. And, of course, we're not trying to discourage you from contributing code. If you're comfortable <laughs> contributing code or even if you have rough code skills, I mean, because they can always reject a patch. So. And Rakai brings up, and I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, a, I think it's a very valid point, is that um, many projects will be accepting of even newbie code because even yeah. if you can get that, yeah. you know, that basic down, then yep. they can go back and edit it. And and to say that and to not acknowledge that, as he points out, um, 
Sort of. it, it, well, it, it, it might hinder somebody from yeah. contributing to it, and you well, certainly don't want to do that. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Alan from TechSnap and BSD Now, uh, not particularly a coder. Uh, he's got some. He definitely can get his way around, and he's got some right. skills. But the type of language that the free BSD installer is written in isn't Alan's bag. Mm-hmm. But he's at one of these conferences, and Alan's like, "Well, you know what would really be great is if we change this and this. We could just use ZFS during the installation of FreeBSD for the root file system, and yeah. we could tweak this." And Alan, not necessarily being, I don't know if it was what language is it in, but uh, he writes it out a basic one. He wrote out something very basic, some rough code, gave it to the FreeBSD installer developer. He mm-hmm. took that code like, oh, I see what you're trying to do here. Well, I'll take some of this and I'll rewrite some of this. Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. put it all together. Yeah. They're at the conference within a couple of hours. They added ZFS support to the FreeBSD installer because Alan wrote some rough code yeah. to get him started. So I guess I'll guess I'll rephrase my uh, my comment and say that you wouldn't want me contributing to your project primarily because coding is just not my passion, and it and it's just not not something that I can I can turn my mind on to a hundred percent. You know, it's a little haphazard. When the the few couple times I've been thrown in into the shark's pit to go do coding, it just doesn't come out well. And I'm not happy with the quality uh, of it. And so I, I just, I think it leaves something to, to, to be desired. So I focus on my strengths, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, yeah, so. Yeah, do what you can if coding's mm-hmm. not it. Uh, here's another thing that I sometimes run into an issue with that just kind of pass this on, is IRC can be a great resource for a lot of open source projects. Right. It's a great way to get started, find out where the pain points are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, you run into dead IRCs. So yep. as somebody, you know, who's run into this before, that's something to be cognizant of and and kind of try to figure out. The other problem I've sometimes run into is, is this project dead? Yeah. Does anybody have ownership? Mm-hmm. Does somebody need to take ownership of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's talk about the obvious one. So we, advocacy is one that's my personal favorite to talk about. Yep. But this is an obvious one, documentation. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody loves and, to do documentation. That's why they need you. And <laughs> if they had somebody that was super, super excited, and that was their passion to do documentation, the documentation gets better. The reason that I think the Arch documentation is at the level it's at is because the people that are doing it mm. really want good documentation. And you said yourself, you said, when I saw that, right. I wanted to go implement it yeah. because it was so even well be, done. Even before I was an Arch user, when I was doing IT support and I was working at a company that had an online wiki for their documentation, I started noticing uh, sort of documentation standards and practices that the Arch wiki was using. I started implementing those uh, at the company I was working for because I just thought they were really good practices. And so you can create, there is a, there is a, there's an incredible place for non-developers to contribute to something mm-hmm. that helps the project out so fundamentally. I mean, now Arch is known for that wiki. Right. And that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, a lot of non-developers have helped. Now yeah. developers have helped too. Yeah, and they've set a higher standard for everyone else to follow, right? Yeah. So yeah. And that's that's always positive. All right. Now, uh, there's one more, Noah, that is kind of a little bit harder, and it would probably be good if you have some rough development skills or you're very familiar with the project and its culture, uh, what kind of information its developers need, and maybe even the mannerisms of the developers. Mm-hmm. If you've really followed a project you're really passionate about, they could probably use some general bug triage. You don't have to be a developer to yeah. get some bug triage, like mm-hmm. find dupes, right? There's mm-hmm. always dupe bugs. Discover missing information. Somebody submits a bug, but it's not actionable by the developer oftentimes because it's missing key information. Mm-hmm. You could help sort of wrangle that up to get the bug in shape. And you could even go find your favorite pet bugs that you really think need to be addressed and yep. make sure they're fully fleshed out so mm-hmm. the developer has all the information they need to address that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the thing is, a lot of times, users that submit bugs that are not developers have real no con- really no concept of what the developer needs. Mm-hmm. So the best case scenario is the developer takes this huge dump of everything that's running on your system and tries to collect all this information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even then they often don't have they oftentimes don't have context. You know, they don't 
don't know uh, what was going on before, the state of the machine, if it was freshly booted, like all these little variables that you can help find out that the developers right. can take action on. Right. Yeah. So it's not fun, but no, bug, it's kind of like well, helping like a it, ticket it, system. There is something rewarding, though, about submitting a bug, uh, a bug ticket and then... Having it come yeah, and then something man. getting fixed, yeah, and, and not that it happens terribly often, because if if you're if you're new to Linux and you're new to the world, don't go into it with that expectation. You'll be sorely disappointed. But when it happens, it's like magic. Um, and and uh, and the other thing is too is we saw. I mean, assuming you're dealing with um, pseudo competent users. You once you fix the bug one time, or once even if there's a workaround, sometimes that workaround gets put into the bug tracker, yeah. and then it helps everyone else. Like yep. I had that problem with my Pixel, and yeah. I had a problem where every second time it would suspend, the uh, it would re it would shut down or restart. It was super annoying, yeah. Yeah. and the they didn't really have a fix for it. But the pa the the quote unquote workaround, it wasn't something I had to continually do. It was per it was a persistent change I made to the system, and it totally fixed the problem. As far as I was concerned, it was a fix. Yeah. And the only reason I had that was because we had one place to go to. We submitted, you know, right. the, somebody had already submitted a bug report. Somebody had already found out the right. problem, right. and it was a team of people that yeah. worked together. Well, and speaking, going back to the what you said, like the magical rewarding thing about when you submit a bug. So uh, you know, er you, a while back and uh, earlier in 2014. Uh, when we were doing a lot of Antigross testing, our producers found bugs in the Antigross installer, mm -hmm. submitted bugs, worked mm -hmm. with the Antigross developers to fix those bugs, and now people, now all users that are installing Antigross have those fixes because a couple of people submitted bug fixes, and that's the kind mm -hmm. of a rewarding thing to have happen, and you don't have to actually write any code yourself. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the chat room, uh, Ixel in the chat room is uh, fairly pointing out too that it takes a little while. Uh, and it's sort of it's a different it's a different take on instead of uh, at community activism and community outreach, you could also do potentially community moderation. Now this is very temp you know you have to be careful how you approach this because you can't just come in and start moderating. You right. have to be invited in. But right. uh, there's a lot of times if you can build up trust and be around, and be reliable, make yourself available in that IRC community. Mm -hmm. uh, people begin to get to know you after a while. You sort of get invited into into responsibilities and. Sometimes just idling around in an IRC room can lead to bigger and better, better things. Absolutely. All right, Mr. Noah, is there anything else we could think of for those of us who are not developers that want to contribute to an open source project? I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah. And we got we have some of our ideas uh, listed out in the show notes. So this is an opportunity where you could come in. How would you contribute to an open source project that's not code? Something that maybe we didn't think about. Obviously, translations would be a good example. Things like that. Let us know. Go over to linuxactionshow.reddit.com. There'll be a feedback thread for this episode of Linux Action Show. And leave us your thoughts on things you would do as a non-developer to contribute. And if you are a manager or somebody who runs an open source project or a, a contributor and you've been crying out for more help and you, doesn't, and you don't need developers, let us know the kinds of things you need. And we'll do follow-up in uh, Tuesday's episode of Linux Unplugged. Again, linuxactionshow.reddit.com for your ideas. Adopt a developer and buy them a beer. I like that, Otto. That's that, a good that one. could work. Yeah. Uh, would, that fall, <laughs> would that fall under uh, under a bounty? Uh, bounty Maybe, fixes? yeah. There's like bounty source and things <coughs> like that. Translations is a good one, of course. Yeah, I agree. So lots of good ideas, and I think this is something we'll brainstorm on more because obviously here on Linux Action Show, it benefits all of us if we can make these open source projects we use all the time just a little bit better, and I think we can come up with some ways to do it, and maybe we'll make a difference. Maybe. All right, Noah, that's Linux Action Show's advice on how we can all help a little bit. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast but noah before we get out of here we got a little email a little feedback a little follow-up to do our first email it. comes in from ed 
And uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, tis the season. He's wondering about income tax software for Linux. He's just wondering if you could recommend some good software for filing federal income taxes. In previous years, I've purchased and used Intuit's TurboTax for Windows. Now that I'm running Linux Mint as my daily desktop at home, I need to find some way to complete my taxes in support of Linux. I feel I need to abandon Intuit since they don't support Linux versions of their software. Any good recommendations? Recommendations how I complete my taxes on Linux Mint 17. I, bo- I had a bonus. Uh, he'd like to be able to do previous year's taxes from TurboTax, if you can bring that in. I uh, So I'll, I can quote Linus Torvalds almost verbatim, I think, in, in, a, in a presentation he gave earlier this year. Well, well last year now. Uh, he said something to the effect of uh, he did his taxes on Linux. And it's not bec- uh, on Intuit. And not because the people at Intuit are good people. They're not. But it's in a web browser. So everyone can do it, whether yeah. you're using Linux or not. Absolutely. And that, that would yeah. be my recommendation. Is yep. I, I am, and by no means am I an advocate of Intuit, but the the, the fact remains they are the leading industry standard of uh, you know the financial yeah. market. And yeah. so, and when a Linux specific open source and free tool comes available, I will and free is in sure. Freedom, yeah. I will gladly switch. But until then. As long my 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 hard line in the makes sand. Sense. This is practical. My hard line in the sand is what can I do? I have to be able to do it on Linux, and then we go on from there. Open source, we go on from there. Actual free software. Mm-hmm. So that'd be my recommendation. Hey, uh, here's something that uh, maybe the audience could help Noah out with because he's crazy. I am crazy. Tell me about a tab line. What is this? So we're redoing the master bedroom in our basement, and one of the things is all of my stuff is controlled by the Internet of Things. So I can control, <laughs> I can do my lights and my thermostat and all that other stuff. It all goes to home automation control. Of course it does. Well, one of the things is I can do it from my phone, but I don't want to do it from my phone. Who wants to do it from their phone? Nobody wants to. I want to do it from, I want to have like a dedicated the future, tablet. Yeah, tablet in the it's wall. It's like Star Trek up in the So business. the mobile room had all these crazy ideas of how I should just double-side sticky tape a tablet to the wall. Yeah. I don't like stuff like Anybody that. Anybody recommend magnets? Yeah, I want it installed nicely. So there's this thing. is exactly what I need. The only problem is they only sell it to residents of Germany. Uh, I don't live in Germany, so what I would need to do is I would need somebody in Germany to purchase it. Uh, I'd pay you first. I'll you know give you PayPal, Bitcoin, whatever. Give you the money, then you'd have to purchase it and then ship it to me. And so this is essentially it's a tablet insert for the wall. And yeah. what's cool about it is that it's it also looks like it allows different size tablets, so you're not locked into one tablet, which is nice. Right. Yeah. That's well, cool. I think they make it specifically for the Galaxy. Oh, so there I? might be some limitations. It looks like you could fit a different one. Yeah. In there. I mean, I don't know what it is. I, I'll get it when I see it. But yeah. uh, but you, if anyone, so you'd have to get a Galaxy Tab. Too. I have. Oh. Oh, okay, okay. But I would, so, and, which I don't use for anything else, so that would be great. But if anyone's willing to help me, if you're in Germany and you're willing to, or if you, wherever they ship to, it's not U.S., um, if you're willing to, if you're willing to purchase that, I, I would give you the money and the shipping all ahead of time, and then um, you just ship it to me. I would be super grateful. And if you want to uh, say hi to Noah, he'll be at scale probably around February 20th, uh, between the 20th and the 22nd. Somewhere at- around there. The uh, yep, Southern California Linux Expo. We'll have more information soon, and uh, we might be doing uh, some uh, maybe a show from there, or at least from that area. Yeah, I think we'll end up doing the show from there. No, you think? Well, yeah, but I mean, maybe the hotel. I don't know if we'll do it from the floor. It'll be from the area. Yeah. Well, we could do it from the floor if you want. Ooh, it's up to you. That'd be fancy. That'd be pretty fancy. So check that out if you're going to go to scale. Mm-hmm. Say hi to Noah, and also you could check out Noah during the week over at altaspeed.com. Is that your day gig? Uh, that's my day gig. That's how I, that's how I put uh, food on the table, so to speak. So we do IT service. Uh, we primarily do commercial stuff. Um, so we'll do everything from a bare building pulling the Cat5 through the walls all the way up to they have a building that they want new access points, new clients, new servers, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, if you got a rig that died running Windows, uh, you might just show up around Ubuntu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. no, only if you want it. Only if you want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can check out Noah's Day gig over. Even at if they don't speed. want it. 
And also be sure to tune into Linux Unplugged every single Tuesday over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. You can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get all of our live times. Uh, we will be pre-recording episode 351 next week. So it'll be it'll be out, but it probably won't be uh, live. We might be, we might still be live at our regular time though, so you can still stop by. We might be doing some uh, testing. We're doing remote video capture on Linux, and we're doing some testing next Sunday. So we're pre-recording next Sunday's video to give us a little extra buffer time for that. So I'm telling you that now, so that way if something crazy happens next week and we don't talk about it, you'll know why. If it goes great, Gary. In fact, I can tell you next week, uh, we're going to be joined by the co-founders of Selks. It's a Linux distribution that makes some of the coolest intrusion detection and prevention monitoring and logging out there super easy to go. It's like a live CD for some of the coolest networking technologies in the entire world. And the co-founders join us to talk about that in episode 351 of the Linux Action Show. Noah! Thank you for joining me for your first episode, episode 350. It's a good episode to start with. I feel Chris, like good thank luck, you though. very much for having me in the studio yeah. and entertaining me all week. It's been, it's been great having you here mm-hmm. for the last few days. We've eaten a lot of food. We have eaten a lot of food. Yeah. And so Chris likes to Chris likes to start with a meal and then stop the meal and then go to a different meal. Yes. Eat some of that meal and then stop yes. with that meal and then go to yes. another meal. And I like yeah. things that are delicious. So it's a high Everything priority. I ate was delicious. Yeah. My wife asked me about that because I'm kind of a picky eater. Yeah. And she goes, so is that working out okay or is Chris kind of... I'm like, no, no, no. Every place is amazing. Yeah. We eat good. We eat yeah. good here in the Pacific. Northwest. Yeah. Don't forget linuxactionshow.reddit.com feedback, links, pics, discussion, stories, everything for this show happens there. Linuxactionshow.reddit.com and last but not least, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact to send us in your feedback. Alright everybody, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. We'll see you right back here next week. All right, Noah. So All right, Chris. I'm, I'm going to play this. Let's play this. And, and wait, before I play this, do you want to set it up, or, should we, or is it just clear if we play All right. it? Is it totally so clear if we just play it? No. Oh, okay. So All right. here's what happened. You set it up, I... but not any more than you got to. All right. Go. All right. I got a phone call. Dun, 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 dun. That's it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a phone call, and this guy was telling me about the offensive traffic that was being sent from my computer. The only problem was I, I don't have a Windows computer. So we take solutions, and this is in regards to your computer. How are you doing today again? Excellent. I was busy. I wasn't. I, that, that's very good to hear, Mr. Shalian. The reason I call you is to inform you, you know, that from two to three weeks now, uh, we are constantly receiving high alert signals to our server from your computer. That so did he say he's receiving a lot of signals from your computer? Is that what he just said? Yeah. Okay. Signals. S- signals. Okay. As it has unknowingly downloaded some batch files from the internet. You aware about this? No, no, that's uh, that's shocking. What uh, what address is that coming from? <laughs> You're already on to him now. <laughs> Sorry? Oh, what, what IP address is that coming from? That's, I, I, work in, I work in IT, that's why I asked. Oh, you work in IT? You work in IT, okay. I work in IT, so uh, I'm just curious. What, what, addre- I, what address? Because I have a number of different uh, number of different computers. I've got a couple at my office, a couple at my home. So I'm wondering which. Could you tell me which IP address those are coming from? I'd just be interested to know which one's causing the problem. This is the Dell one, Dell laptop. What the one WM. So, question for you: How can you tell that it's a Dell since the MAC address won't uh, <laughs> won't uh, pass through a layer three device like a router? <laughs> Uh, because, uh, you know, you might be connecting your router and using internet, but uh-huh. uh, has we installed, you know, we designed Windows and installed them to the computers. That's the reason the one 
uh-huh. to which download this virus from the internet. You right, right. But here, here's, what, here's, here's, I guess here's, here's, I have two questions. You haven't answered either of them. My first question is, which IP address is the offending traffic coming from? So I can narrow that down. I know which machine we're talking to. And the second thing is, I'm curious. Most companies identify hardware manufacturers by the by the MAC address. Right, but MAC addresses aren't going to transition through a layer three device like a router. And every computer I own is sitting behind a router. So I'm curious as to how you'd identify the the make and model of it. You said the MAC address, right? MAC address. That's the hardware address on the on the um, on the network card. You said you you work for uh, you guys work for a, a solutions company. You're going to fix my computer. Uh, I believe you already, you know, have many whole homeworks to do, right? For your IT classes, right? Yeah, yeah. Homework. Well, I don't have any homework. I've been, I'm actually oh. working for 10 years, so as I actually don't have any homework. But I, I, I'd like to find more out about this. So which computer, uh, if you could uh, if you could tell me which, which IP address. Yeah, he knows he's busting. Yeah, but now, now, he starts, now he starts getting interested. Yeah, he's yeah, busting. Yeah. He's busting. He's got to turn it around. Everything, but Mr. Shelley, I will post, like, like you to know. You are a very curious person, you know. I'm you, a very curious you, person. You, you, you well, want... I'm just saying, when you call me and tell me that one of yeah. my computers is providing offending traffic, but you can't even tell me which IP address it's coming from, that just it sounds a little strange, you know. <laughs> you own the IP address. You own the yes, uh, internet protocol address. Yes, please. You own that. <laughs> But you will not, that's not the concern, you know. That's we not the concern. So, that so, on the open line. So, the, so hold on, on a second. Open line. So what you're telling me is, what you're telling me is you, you have identified, you've identified offensive traffic from my computer, but the IP address to which that traffic originated in, that's not important to you. So what is it that you're using? You. To, can't, you can't tell me what IP address. So how do you know it's mine then? Oh, because this is the details what we have. You know, my technician will love to answer you all your questions. My technician. Right. I believe you are smart enough to take care of your computer. That's a very good thing for me, you know. Oh, okay, My job yeah. was basically, you know, Mr. Shelley, let me do this, okay? My job was just to value about this fact. Uh-huh. Now, it's totally your decision. I believe you are smart enough to take care of your computer, which yeah. is you are. But oh, yeah, I probably. Love, got I love to, but unfortunately, you still that. haven't, unfortunately, since you haven't, you haven't even told me which computer it is. I mean, you've told me it was a, it was a Dell. What was the model again? No, this is great. Uh, I have this service tag and your email address to which it is registered. The email address to which it is registered is Sarah one two one eight eight at hotmail dot com with uh-huh. the service tag one W M. Does he have a real service tag? It's my wife's computer, but he doesn't get the service tag. But somehow you've managed to obtain the service tag, which isn't encoded inside of the network traffic at all, but you haven't been able to obtain the IP address, which would literally be in every single header of every packet that leaves the network, right? You have the service tag in front of you, but you don't have the IP address. It's just funny to me. It's interesting. No, no, uh, just for curiosity, uh, Mr. Shelia, can I ask one question with you? Sure. Sure. Just for my, just for my, my curiosity, you know? Sure. Uh, you said you have been working in this, like, last 10 years, right? Yeah, roughly, give or take, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so you might be, you know, across many technicians, many very good technicians. Mm-hmm. There might be many hackers, right? Many hackers, like hackers. ethical hackers, well, I mean, non-ethical uh, hackers. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, really, there's no such thing as a there is no, no such thing as an ethical or an unethical hacker, right? A hacker, the term refers to a computer enthusiast. So we're talking about baby crackers, you know, or Windows users or, or Mac okay. users. Those would be bad people. Baby yeah. crackers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Crackers. Right. So can I ask this? How much do you? Be we have to, you know, go through books, like, you know, knowledge, in terms mm-hmm. of knowledge to be like one. Can I ask yes. this? Can I ask this? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, how much we have to go through, you know, the library, the uh, live sessions, the books, how much, how right. much knowledge do we, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It takes how much long knowledge time. we want to... It yeah, a long time. Yeah, like well, yeah. Years? I mean, yeah. I mean, well, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you oh, know, yeah. as far as schooling goes, you know, I went to four years of college and I got done with that. And I went through my Red Hat certification to do Red Hat uh, Linux servers. Then I went through and did my Cisco oh, certification. Oh, wait, 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 uh, Mr. Shelia, I, I believe you are, uh, you know, source of knowledge. But let me ask in a simple language: uh-huh. How many operating systems do I have to learn? He's asking I'm for sorry, advice. What? How long yeah. does it take to learn? Oh, no, I how many does he have? I'm still learning. In fact, I. How many, I said, how many operating systems do I have to learn? Oh, oh, operating systems, operating systems. Yeah, I understand. Uh, well, if you're, I mean, saying that, I think the last statistic that came out was Microsoft Windows has like something like 90% of the market share. So I suppose if you, I suppose if you 8. knew. 1.4, Microsoft, 1.4, okay. Yeah, well, so I suppose if you knew, I suppose if you knew Microsoft Windows, you'd probably be able to service the majority of them. But. Yeah. Really? And you don't recommend so. me, you know, the basic Linux, Unix, no? Yeah, well, I mean, so so here's actually that so that's an interesting you brought you brought up an interesting point, my friend. <laughs> so you said the offending traffic was coming from a Windows machine, right? <laughs> you know, the, you know the things. What, what we are talking now. This is not a business. This yeah. is not real. <laughs> you my, know, we don't talk about that. Just yeah. a curiosity. Like you are yeah, curious yeah. for something. Even I am. No, let's talk about Linux. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like you are you. You know much. You know you you mm-hmm. are much uh, in this field than me. Might well, be. Thank you. I don't know you personally. Yeah. But just asking them, if you are in this field for ten years, you might be gone through many days, many nights. That's the reason I ask you this. That's yeah. the reason. I feel it's. I believe I'm not going too much from my side. That's 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 what. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. All right, then. It's totally fine. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Well. Thank you very much for. Thank you very much for the call. I'll, uh, uh, just a couple of tips in the future. If if you know if I can extend you know what I've learned over the past ten years, I would start by identifying the IP address. That's usually a, a good piece of information to have people when you're going to call them and tell them you're going to fix their computer. Second of all, I'd make sure that the operating system that the person is running matches the operating system that you're going to quote them. So, for example, like I don't actually have Windows installed on any of my computers, so that would be good. You know to you know to ask about that first, and then lastly, um, I would just leave out the whole thing about the make and model because that kind of stuff just doesn't transition uh, through the uh, through network traffic but for the most part. So those those are my tips for you. And use Linux, install Ubuntu. <laughs> And, and if you have any questions about Linux or you want to learn about Linux, head over to jblive.tv. Every Sunday, we do a show nice. all about Linux, and you can you can learn about Linux, and then you can download. Then you won't have to. Then you uh, then you can install Linux on on your computer. And if you could, oh, if every person you called, if you told them to install Linux, then they wouldn't have these problems. Then you could then you then they wouldn't have to have you guys come fix their computers. That's what you guys could do. You could push that as a solution. Yeah, that helps oh, everyone. Out, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, your name is one Noah. more question. You you know, may I ask your name first? Noah. My first name is Noah. 
Noah, that's yeah. a, that's a very you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good name. Okay, uh, Noah, I just bought your new laptop. That's uh, Acer, Acer, uh-huh. uh, Aspire. You know, uh-huh. Acer Aspire. You have okay. So, would you recommend something? You know, I really want to go through you know many things. Many, I want to learn something. Uh-huh. So oh, would yeah. you recommend me where to start I'd, with? I'd what start to with install what antivirus. I can't yeah, believe the direction this is going. I would skip the antivirus and I would just I would go over to ubuntu.com <laughs> and just download the latest version and install that on there because Ubuntu is going to be completely virus and spyware free for you. If the operating system isn't going to cost you anything. You'll get all the updates for free. Um, and it's going to be a rock solid operating system. So that's a free one. We don't have to pay nothing yeah, for no. that. Yeah, Ubuntu is completely free. And like I said, you know, the biggest thing is if you have a learning curve, if you have questions, um, you know, head over to JupiterBroadcasting.com <laughs> and watch some of the watch some of the shows that are out there. And we, we you know, we do. There's a. I think there's. I will. Seven, I, will I will. Yeah. Yeah. Check, but, check that uh, out. Can you help me with this? Star? Sure. Can you spell that bunch? Whatever yeah. email address is, spell that. U B U N T U. This is okay. amazing. Yep, U B U N T U. Mhm. P U N T U. So Uniform November, Bravo Uniform November. This is Tango amazing. Uniform. U B U N T U. Just kind of cool. Uh, uniform Bravo. Oh, sorry, Uniform Bravo. Uniform November. Ubuntu wow. is going to be completely virus and spyware free for you. If the operating system isn't going to cost you anything, you'll get all the updates for free. Um, and it's going to be a rock solid operating system. So that's a free one. We don't have to pay nothing yeah, for no. that. Yeah, Ubuntu is completely free. And like I said, you know, the biggest thing is if you have a learning curve, if you have questions, um, you know, head over to JupiterBroadcasting.com and watch some of the watch some of the shows that are out there. And we, we you know, we do. There's a. I think there's. I will. Seven I, will I will. Yeah. Let yeah. Check, but, check that uh, out. Can you help me with this? Star? Sure. Can you spell that bunch? Whatever yeah. email address is, spell that. U B U N T U. Okay. Yep. U B U N T U. Wow. I can't believe the direction this has gone. M P U N T U. So uniform November. Bravo uniform November. Tango uniform. U U B U N T U. Uniform Bravo. Oh, sorry, uniform Bravo. Uniform November. That Pascal then uniform, right? Uh, uni- uniform, Bravo, <laughs> uniform, November, Tango, uniform. Okay, it's Tango. Okay, November, Tango, uniform, right? Uh, okay, uni- I got that. Yeah, uniform. Is he screwing with you? No, uniform, not. I don't think November, so. Tango, uniform. Tango, uniform. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Ubuntu.com, right? Yep. Why did yeah, you yeah, just I, say yeah, I think, yeah, man, I think Google? Right. Yep. You should have just said <laughs> man. Google Ubuntu and it'll come up. Ubuntu, okay. This is for the software, free software, right? Yeah, totally free. It's free and open source. So I would uh, I'd check that out and, okay, uh, and hopefully that works for you. But I have, I have to actually have to run and get back to work. So, But uh, good luck with the rest of your calls. And, uh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Thanks, thanks for the time and yeah. have a great day. Take care. Bye. <laughs> Okay, that's a classic. When game. I answered the phone, I, if you can hear the, the very, very beginning of the call, there's just so much frustration in yeah, my voice. Yeah. Because I'm so pissed yeah. that I have stepped out of a, a meeting yeah, yeah. to take this stupid call, <laughs> and then this guy wants to sit here and tell me how my Windows box is yeah. sending offending traffic. Well, and imagine if you were like a, a non savvy user and you were at home and you did have a Windows I, box. That would have been a totally different I, call. No, here's what, that, here's what that results in that results in a service call for me from some poor old yeah, lady yeah, that's like, yeah. this guy charged me $79 for my offending traffic. 
and I don't know what to do. I love how he's like, I love how he eventually starts taking you serious, and he's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't expect that. I was just trying to screw with him, but that's that's classic. Yeah.